Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. You know, all of you know that I absolutely love LinkedIn, and I get to meet unbelievably crazy, fantastic, magnificent people on LinkedIn, and our guest today is no different. She is the actual founder of something called Financial Dignity Movement, and she blows up on LinkedIn all the time. So her her name is, is Christine Lucan, and here's the deal. You have to follow her. So immediately go to the show notes, click on LinkedIn, the LinkedIn link for her, uh, because what she posts and how she posts things is going to be some of what we're going to talk about today, but I think it's most important to lay a foundation. The foundation is this. She is a financial coach. She is not a financial advisor, and there's a fundamental difference in what those things mean, as most of you already know. But the importance of the conversations that she has with your clients can make the difference between them having a long-term wonderful relationship with you, but more importantly, their money and their financial decisions. So Christine, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Let's jump right in, which is you are wildly contrarian when it comes to emotion. We're going to talk about emotion when it comes to communication, but mostly we're also we're going to begin by talking about how financial advisors are consistently saying you have to take all emotion out of your financial decisions. What's your position? Well, they're actually asking their clients to do something that is physically impossible. Science has recently proven that the moment of decision happens in the same part of the brain that processes emotion. Mm. And they found it out completely by accident when they were studying stroke victims who primarily had damage in that part of the brain. They were very high functioning, but while they were studying them, they took a break for lunch and they asked them, what do you want for lunch? Do you want a hamburger or a chicken sandwich? None of them could decide. They couldn't make any very basic decisions. They, they could tell you the logic behind, you know, the chicken sandwich is healthier. So do you want the chicken sandwich? They could not make the decision. That's why we can't take emotion out of financial decision-making. Now, does this mean that we're doomed or that our clients are doomed? No, it doesn't. However, we need to understand those emotions that are happening for our clients around money. And we have to help them get to a state where they are calm and relaxed and positive when they're making these decisions. That's really the key to it because we can harness these emotions because they are very powerful and we can harness them in a way that actually helps our clients to achieve their financial goals. I remember the last time I was at a conference and I spoke and one of the questions that I asked the audience was how many of you studied psychology in college. It's a room full of financial advisors, probably 
of the room's hands went up. Okay. So they didn't study finance, but a lot of them were the second job, whatever they fell into this because of whatever didn't work. And then I asked them the question, how many of your clients cry in meetings with you? Then of course, everybody's hands go up. Right. And then yes. I said, how many of you are comfortable with this? And almost all of the hands went down and only a couple of people hands went up. And I said, okay, so I'm going to pick on you. And it was a lady who was in the front row. And I said, oh, how are you comfortable with it? And she said, it's because I realize that we're emotional beings and I need to let them have those emotions in the meetings. Now, a financial advisor is generally highly analytical, right? They're, they're trying to do whatever they can. And Christine, here's the kicker. They've got like Nobel Prize winning crap on their side here with the whole idea of behavioral finance. How do those things go together or don't they, or are we talking about two very different things? Well, I don't think they're completely different things. What we have to realize is people can have all of the knowledge. They can have all of the formulas. They can have all of the tools. However, there are going to be some things that block them from taking action that are emotional in nature. So it's really understanding with our clients what is going on under the surface. And the reason why I got very curious about this is because of my own background. I crashed and burned financially at age 26, despite having an accounting degree. Oh, I mean, it was bad. I'm not going to lie. I owed three different payday lenders money. I was behind on my car payment. I don't know if it's possible to have a negative credit score, but mine was probably close. <laughs> and a big part of that reason was because I was engaged to a guy who had horrible money habits. He was in and out of jobs, even in and out of jail. I thought if I just loved him enough that he would change. And he did. He got worse. Mm. So after being with this guy for seven years, wedding dress in the closet, deposit down on the hall, I decided enough was enough and I wanted to leave. I literally had no money to leave. But here I was, someone who was a straight A honor roll student with an accounting degree. And you'll laugh at this. I also had a psychology minor. <laughs> And I completely did the exact opposite of everything I knew in my head to do. Thankfully, I was able to get some help from family, getting away from that bad influence that obviously helped my finances tremendously, not having to support a grown man child. Sure. But there was a lot of shame and embarrassment around the mess that I had gotten myself into. And after I was on the other side of it, I found that people were very comfortable talking to me about their money problems because they knew that I wasn't going to judge them. They knew that I wasn't going to look down on them and make them feel bad for their mistakes because I had been where they were. And I knew how that felt to get stuck in that, that cycle of guilt. Because unfortunately, when we make financial mistakes for whatever reason, whether it's lack of information or because our emotions got the best of us, whatever the case may be, we start to feel bad about ourselves. We have this decision to make. Are we going to reach out and get help despite those feelings? Or are we going to turn that inward and let that, that guilt become shame and hide from the problem and not get the help that we need? 
And what really hurts my heart more than anything else is when someone reaches out to a financial professional and that financial professional makes them feel ashamed. I've heard that. Uh, not only do they help them or help them feel ashamed, right, support that shame, but they also have such different philosophies on, well, you're not worth my time, right? That's another huge component of it. But at the same time, uh, they're talking out of the other side of their mouth saying, well, we need to help more people. How do you plug into this situation to make it so that advisors can help more people get to the point of when they can work with a financial advisor? And let's break down that process a little bit, please. Yeah. Well, and I think there's there's kind of two groups that we're talking about. There are some people who, who do have assets and are working with financial planners. Maybe they're not investing to the level that they really need to, to meet those retirement goals. Or they may be going through a very emotional situation, like a divorce or widowhood, not being comfortable with sitting with someone through those uncomfortable emotions, that can be hard for someone. And I think having an external person, having a financial coach who has had training on the emotional side of money and, and how to help clients with this is a wonderful asset. My financial planner, he basically told me, he said, look, Christine, I don't enjoy diving into the kind of stuff that you do with clients. I don't enjoy digging into their spending. I don't enjoy helping them figure out that they're supporting their grown son at a level that's not healthy. He's like, I don't like having those uncomfortable conversations. Sure. I, I just want to manage their investments. I am more than happy to send them to you. But here's the interesting thing is that he has taken my training on the emotional side of money because it helps him to spot when something's going on. He can identify and say, aha, I see what's going on here. This is someone that really would benefit from Christine's help. Break that down though. I need you, I need you to get, let's take that, oh, open up the hood and talk <laughs> about that training and talk about how you can provide advisors with tools, one, so that they're more comfortable in those situations and two, that they can realize that these clients need more help than they're able or want to give. Yeah. And I think most financial planners have their hearts in the right place. Most of them really do want to help their clients. And I think there's a range of interest on the on understanding the emotional side of money and wanting to help clients on the emotional side of money. There are some individuals like my financial planner who said, I want to understand it but then I wanna send them to you. Mm -hmm. I wanna send them to you or to your course or some other resources, but I don't wanna personally help them with this. And then I've got other financial planners who they wanna basically start doing some kind of emotional money coaching with people as a part of their practice, especially if they are working with say divorcing women or widows and there's a high level of emotion. And they enjoy that piece of it as well, but they don't really have the training and they, they don't want to go get a psychology degree. Oh, sure. Right. They just want the practical tools to be able to help their clients through those things. With my training, it's called uh, Foundations of Financial Dignity. It covers 
all the areas of personal finance. So we go into saving, debt reduction, spending, relationships. That's a big thing. And just the first module is all about understanding the emotional side of money and really getting that picture of what is going on in people's brains when it comes to money. How are they processing it without giving them a psychology course? But I think it does help to understand the brain science of what's going on because once you understand that, you realize that your clients, first of all, they're not irrational. Mm -hmm. There's a very good reason why they're doing what they're doing. You just haven't pinpointed that particular reason yet. It helps them to have compassion on what their clients are going through. So how do you help them with that though? I, I'm sorry, I, I need you to go one level deeper here <laughs> because, and I'm not, I don't, you don't have to give away your secret sauce. And I know that there's lots of stuff they can you know, go onto your website and download stuff. We're talking about that in a few minutes. I, I Give me a tool, Christine. I, I want our audience to say, okay, this is something concrete that I can take away from this podcast that will my next client meeting, which is probably today, right? That they're going to be able to employ in that client meeting to make them understand what you're talking about and in the value of what your training and what your services bring, please. Well, let's talk about something that I think a lot of financial planners probably run into on a regular basis. And I alluded to it before where their client is depleting assets because they are enabling sure. somebody, yeah. usually a grown child. Mm -hmm. And they keep having this conversation. You can't keep pulling this much money out. You can't keep pulling this much money out. You, you have to taper this support back. Saying that isn't helpful to their client because they're not giving them a framework to fix it. In one of the modules, I actually lay out a conversation template and say, this is, this is essentially how things need to flow, right? Like this is the first thing that needs to happen. You have to decide that this is going to stop and we need to implement a, a plan for change. Then we also need to prepare for the fact that this other person is going to be upset with us and we have to be okay with that. Right. And it's important that the financial planner says this person's not going to be happy with this and you need to be fully prepared for that before it happens. And they can even take this template and have this um, have like a mock conversation and practice with their client where the advisor says, OK, I'm going to be you and you're going to be your son. And I'm going to start having this conversation with you. And I want you to respond back in the way that you think your son is going to respond to you. That way we are getting those emotions out and letting them process and kind of exposing those objections. And that way the advisor can say, if he is going to indeed respond like that, here's something that we can say back without, without being defensive, et cetera. And giving them a, a plan to say, hey, I know we've been giving you $3,000 a month. Obviously, you can't just tell this person, as of 30 days from now, that's going to stop, right? Because <laughs> you're setting that person up for failure. But, you know, we, we can stage that and the advisor can say, okay, here's like a reasonable timeline of, of things that can be met. You need to say that 
if these conditions aren't met, then this stops and you, you have to be 100% certain that you can stick with that. A few things on, if you've got someone who's an emotional spender, there's some quicker, easier type tips sure. as in, hey, if you're tempted to emotionally spend, let's just stop, take a deep breath, write down how you're feeling right now, and let's just leave this in the shopping cart for 24 hours. Sure. You said something that? that, yeah, okay, I, I have to, advisors listening to this, she's giving you scripts, everybody. You all, and I know every one of you who've listened to this, have paid for scripts before because you know that you don't have the language nor the tools nor the expertise to communicate some of this stuff. That exercise, sitting down with a family, role-playing it, which is something we talk about all the time, how important it is to practice your craft is in the world of marketing, in the world of just being a great financial services professional, being a great husband, father, wife, mother, whatever, mm -hmm. right? There are things that you should have to practice. And Christine, that right there that is money 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 because mm -hmm. if i can help you and then the most important thing is then you make it your own right after you've practiced it a couple of times and you sit down i was at a the most boring conference that had ever been made i'm not going to say what it was i'm sitting across from this gentleman who had created an annuity playbook all right and it was literally flip charts. This was in the 2000s, by the way, it wasn't in the 1900s. And people were paying him $5,000 for all of these things and how to walk somebody through how to sell an annuity. He could, I mean, his, he got off the stage, swarmed with people and people were just throwing money at him trying to get these books. Everybody, when is the last time that you had specific interpersonal training on having a real conversation with your clients, making it so that you're going to be a better financial advisor and your clients are going to be able to achieve their goals? Christine, that's absolutely unbelievable. Now, we're going to pivot a little bit here. So we're going to make a little bit of a tangent because that scripting and the, the language that you happen to be I mean, I'm going to say this and you don't have to feel comfortable with me saying this, that you're an expert in, because I really truly believe that you have a level of expertise here that, that it should be highlighted, but you also do this in how you communicate to, to get people's attention and to create conversations. And that's why I want everybody to follow you on LinkedIn, because the kind of writing that you do is a great example of what is in your course and how you engage people. And Christine, you make people say stuff on LinkedIn that is so powerful in like they're having these epiphanies and all of that stuff. One, where did that come from? How did you find out that this was a unique skill of yours and, and where do you think it came from? I have always loved to write and I have always been a nerd, which means I, I love to learn. I love to read. And I think one of my talents is taking in all this information and flipping it around and presenting it in a way that is memorable, that gets people's attention and that gets people talking. There's too much silence around money. Yeah. And part of that is because of the shame. I hope it's okay for me to say this. I jokingly say that sex and money are the two things that nobody talks about, nobody teaches us about, and yet we're supposed to be great at. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, sister. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And many times I've asked people on social media, which would you rather talk about? 
A lot of people would rather talk about sex. Than Absolutely. Money. <laughs> they would. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Because we have like all these weird, shamey feelings around it and we want more money, but we're ashamed to say that we want more money because we don't want people judging us and thinking that we're a bad person. And it's really my passion to say, to get people to understand the highest value of money is for it to support our happiness. That's really the main goal is for money to support our happiness. It's not the money itself. It's what does that money provide for us? What are the options? What's the freedom that it's going to provide for us? For each and every one of our clients, that's different. To me, that means being close to the beach and a house that's beautiful, that I love with a saltwater swimming pool and a certain car in the garage. But you know what? I have a cousin who would be perfectly happy living in a little cabin in the woods so that she could feed the squirrels every day. She would be totally happy with that. We have to be talking about this more because there's so much stigma around it and we can't, we can't start clearing these emotions and helping our clients with them if we're not having these open conversations where we're not judging people. Sure. And I think me being transparent with my own mistakes is what makes me relatable to a lot of people. Yeah. I have no secrets around money. I wrote an entire book with all my secrets. Right. <laughs> all right, Christine. So before we go to how people can work from work with you and find out a little bit more about how they connect with you, uh, you have talked online. I've seen it on LinkedIn about a money blueprint. Uh, what are you talking about? That's actually a concept I learned from T. Harv Ecker in his book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. All of us have a blueprint when it comes to money. And that is everything that's stored in our unconscious mind around money. It's the things we think about money, the things we say about money, what we were taught about money as children, even certain traumatic experiences that have happened to us where money has been in the mix. And we cannot create anything out in the world that doesn't line up with that blueprint. If, if you think about a blueprint to build a house, if I were to hand you a blueprint to build a ranch house, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how fast you work or who you hire or what quality building materials you buy, I mean, you might get a fabulous house, but it's only going to be a ranch. Mm -hmm. You're never going to get a two-story with that blueprint unless you go back and you change the blueprint. What I found is there's a lot of people out there who they want the equivalent of a two-story financial house, but they're operating from a ranch blueprint. And that's why we see our clients who are making darn good money multiple six figures, and yet they are stuck in these destructive patterns of spending everything that they make, of having excessive debt, of having student loans that hang around into your 50s. And as an advisor, we, in a coach, we could look at that and say, what is wrong with these people? Like they might even be making more money than you. And yet 
your net worth is five times what they're making. And a lot of it has to do with that blueprint. And so until we can uncover what's going on under the surface and raise the awareness with our clients so that we can see that and examine that and say, is this okay? Is this serving us? And if not, let's change it. And that's something that has become second nature to me, where I can just be talking with a client for a very short period of time. And I can just, it's almost like x-ray vision, Mm -hmm. seeing what's wrong with their blueprint. But obviously you have to have good timing and you have to know when it is the right time to be addressing those sorts of things with your clients. And it's funny because sometimes I have to hold it back mm-hmm. <laughs> with people who aren't my clients. I'll hear them say something negative and I'll just be like, oh no, I know what's going on under the surface there. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, Christine, they haven't hired you. They did not ask for your help with yeah. this. <laughs> The wonderful professional unsolicited advice that so many of us fall into. So well done on that by by Christine. That's some serious skill. Okay, everybody, one, please follow Christine on LinkedIn. We'll have her links in our show notes. If a financial advisor would like to engage you either directly so that they can learn from you from your course or have them hire you to work with their clients who are having money issues that are already apparent to them, where should they go? What should they do? The easiest place they can find me is financialdignitymovement.com, or they can just plug my name in, christinelukin.com. They will come to my website. There'll be a place to contact me there. Wonderful. Well, Christine, I want to thank you very much for what you do because it's so needed in our industry. And and you use the word shame a lot. And I want to highlight that as I wrap up today's show, because there is so much shame that your clients feel around financial decisions that they've made. Um, And if you're not addressing that, or if you don't have somebody who helps them work through that shame, they're probably never going to really have the financial security or the retirement or whatever they're retiring to, to really truly have that be what they have worked so hard for. And isn't that your responsibility as a financial services professional to have relationships with people and help them make wise financial decisions, but there are emotions involved. And if you don't feel qualified, which many of you aren't, but if you don't feel qualified, Please go through some training. Uh, Please go ahead and talk to Christine and make sure that you do what you can to serve your clients the highest and best you possibly can. So, Christine, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, do. If you haven't uh, shared this with anybody, that'd be super awesome, too, if you have two seconds also to uh, make it so that you have the opportunity to give us a quick review on any of your players. We'd also appreciate that. But with all of that said, and screw all of that, you guys don't have to do any of that. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, do I want to serve my clients? in a way that's going to be so impactful that I'm going to become way more referable because I'm providing a service that most other financial advisors are. And two, deepening a relationship with your clients so that they are not ever going to leave you because you brought either Christine's training in or Christine in to help your clients. I want you to think about that because we talk about it all the time on the show. What is the difference maker? What makes you fundamentally unique and different as a financial advisor? And I personally believe that this is a conversation that needs to happen. And Christine's the person who has the tools for it. So for Christine and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Halloran. We'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. 
Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to learn more about how you can be your own loud, visit our website, read our blog posts, attend our educational webinars, and sign up for our new Influence Accelerator Academy, where you too can learn how to truly be an influencer in your space. Have a wonderful day.